AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Friday. It is February 9th. Bob, we've made it. We've made it to finally the Friday before the Super Bowl so we can dive into this game and maybe dissect it in 900 different ways, uh, but really looking forward to getting into that. We finally have made it. I got it. I've told you this a couple times off the air, maybe even on the air the last two weeks. I had this massive list of keys and things I jotted down and typed into my file here for two weeks. As far as this game goes, and was concerned about how it was going to narrow this down. And I chopped it down yesterday, and it took me a long time to do that. So uh, we'll have a chopped down version here in the next couple hours. Perfect. Looking forward to it. That's part of Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Once again, uh, as a reminder here for what we've been doing all football season long we're 14 and 6 on the season that's coming from you that's coming from you as winners of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits we've put on $5 and we'll be accounting for our totals for money to charity at season's end we have last Friday's bet that's rolling over to this weekend which was Chiefs plus two and a half so we're looking for one final play of the weekend when we have today's winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, and we're looking to end the season on a high note. And once again, all of the winnings are going to go to charity at season's end. Really excited because we're doing so well here, so hopefully we can uh, have a strong finish to Super Bowl 58. That listener last week got a good number. Yes, a very good number. Uh, as a reminder here, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, they're our friends. Pay them a visit. Located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. And, of course, they have something up their sleeves this weekend for the big game. 45-day uh, dry-aged beef tomahawk steaks at $24.99 a pound. And then they have what's called the San Fran Tailgate, which is 44 four, – excuse me, I'll get this right – 49-49. Uh, that's a play on the uh, San Francisco 49ers, but it includes four 50-50 burgers, four all-beef hot dogs, nine jalapeno poppers, nine potato skins, and one jalapeno package of cheddar snack sticks. So that's the San Fran tailgate at 49-49. Fresh jumbo. Yeah, yeah does that in- I, I- intrigue you? Except for the jalapeno thing. I mean, I think we've clarified or we've uh, not clarified. We were clarified and uh, 
made it pretty clear here uh, over the years that uh, at this point in my life, anything that's spicy or could you know, have kind of a bad stomach um, um, reaction is not a good thing for me. <laughs> so other than that, I'm all in. <laughs> Perfect. And the final weekend uh, special for you is the Fresh Jumbo Party Style Chicken Wings at $4.99 a pound. They have so much over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, so pay them a visit, 239 North Alma School in Chandler, vonhansensmeets.net. Let's set the scene, though, with today's poll question. The poll question, the much-anticipated answer is coming up around 1230 today. But the question, who do you have in the Super Bowl? Kansas City plus two, San Francisco minus two. The mass is San Francisco pulling away here a bit. 59% of the vote, Kansas City sitting at 41%. Yeah, I think the one thing that stood out yesterday about what I've been doing here for the last week is basically kind of giving a news update of what we might have learned from the day before. And the one thing that definitely stood out to me from yesterday at both networks, NFL and ESPN, reporting that Jarek McKinnon, who was pretty much ruled out early this week by Andy Reid, uh, is uh, you know, there's increased speculation that McKinnon is going to be activated from the injured reserve list, he had a hernia surgery situation maybe about a month ago, I'm guessing, four, four, four or five weeks ago, somewhere in that ballpark. And I think uh, he's a really he, – when they won Super Bowls in the last couple of times, uh, last year especially, I mean, he was an integral part of – you know he was their third down back. He's a tremendous pass blocker. He's a really good receiver, and if he can contribute in those areas, and obviously he's not playing every down, uh, so they could ease him back in and just use him in those situations. He's far better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in those situations, and that's the guy he would be replacing, I'm certain, uh, to some extent, if he's able to play. So I think this is a really big deal if he's able to go. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's just, I mean, we have to think all the way back to the AFC Championship game. In a couple of times when um, Pacheco was spelled and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got the opportunities there, they're running the same plays, and it's going for one yard. It's going for no gain, whereas Pacheco is hitting those holes, and uh, he's making something out of it with him in the game. And I'm sure we'll get to this when we dive more deeply into this contest and Pacheco's numbers and how good the Chiefs have been running the ball in the playoffs. It's basically mm -hmm. been uh, with him uh, in mind. Well, and that goes back to the pass catching thing, too, because, you know, Clyde can catch the ball, but he doesn't get any yards after the catch. He never breaks a tackle, whether it's a running play or a pass play. He almost never breaks any tackles since he was at LSU, quite frankly. And I'm sure the Chiefs are very disappointed in what they've gotten out of him, which uh, a lot of people thought that was a steal when they drafted him. That's one draft pick the, the uh, Chiefs have made in the last two or three years that has not worked out. And that's where I think you know, McKinnon really is a significant upgrade in every area, but especially in pass catching and in the pass protection. And pass protection could be a big deal here uh, against the 49ers defensive front, which has not been as good as we expected it to be in the last couple of games especially. Uh, but, you know, that's, uh, that's something to pay attention to. And that's why I think McKinnon – uh, if he can play in just you know, a few plays, I think that he could be uh, impacting the game. 
KDOS1060.com, that's the poll question. We'll officially provide our answer around 1230. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, the NBA trade deadline was yesterday. The Suns were involved. Did the Suns improve significantly because of Thursday's trade deadline moves? The masses continue to be on the no side of things here at 76.5% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 23.5%. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Royce O'Neal makes the Suns better. How they put him and employ him and how they use him uh, will be very interesting. They've got 30 games. Uh, they've played 52 so far. They've got 30 regular season games to figure this out, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, David Roddy is it would be a shock if he provides anything to the Suns. Uh, so I really uh, personally don't really pay much attention to them getting him. They didn't give up anything. They got rid of four really marginal reserve players and three draft picks that are likely to be not worth much of anything. There have been very few second-round picks that have made an impact in the NBA over the years other than the Spurs <laughs> when uh, they were winning championships and Monte Ginobili was like the next-to-last pick in the draft. And you know they added a few other guys that were contributing players to them other than the Spurs. Uh, there's a few guys that have made a difference here and there in recent years. Most of the second-round picks are now foreign players who are just stashed away for however long they're stashed away. Uh, so, you know, but uh, yeah, certainly O'Neal's going to help them. It's going to be interesting to see how they figure out how he best helps them. Well, let's get into it just a little bit to recap and refresh everyone for what transpired yesterday for the Suns uh, with the trade deadline. In the last 24 hours or so in total, there were almost about 20 trades that took place. Whether or not they have uh, that significant impact that you're talking about, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Officially for the Suns, though, they acquired forward Royce O'Neal from the Nets and forward David Roddy from the Grizzlies as part of a three-team trade. Going out... Keita Bates, Diop, Jordan Goodwin, and three future second-round picks are going to the Nets. Metu and Watanabe and a 2026 first-round pick swap are going to the Grizzlies. O'Neal, he's played 49 games. He's had six starts with Brooklyn this season, 7.4 points per game, 38.8% from the floor, 36.6 from behind the arc, 4.5 rebounds and 2.8 assists. Roddy has played 48 games, 13 starts with Memphis this season, 8.4 points per game, 40.2% from the floor, 30.1% from three, 4.2 rebounds and 1.6 assists. Um, so obviously O'Neal, though, it was a, a player. He was a player that was targeted and also mentioned very early on in the rumor mill process, and they ended up bringing him in, getting a deal done with the, the Nets. Surely you'd have to think that this helps defensively for the Suns. Yeah, I think Shirley becomes automatically the best defender on the Suns. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys to choose from. As far as the best defender category goes, because, you know, pretty much all the defensive stats, whether they're old-time stats, new-time stats, you know, metric stats, etc., the Suns are one of the worst teams in the NBA defensively, and what did we expect? We expected them to be one of the worst teams in the, NF in the NBA defensively. Uh, your favorite thing possible uh, is grades. Zach Harper with The Athletic is giving uh, the Suns an A-minus on this one, and it's mainly uh, for targeting Royce O'Neal and helping in that defensive 
in that defensive area. Uh, he's giving the Nets a, a C minus, though, for not really getting a whole lot in return for Royce O'Neal based upon what they had to give up uh, for him in the first place to bring him to the Nets when he was there with Kevin Durant the first time around. Uh, and the Grizzlies yeah. are getting a, a B out of all of this. Well, I don't think any of that should be surprising. I don't kind of pay attention to the grades, as you inferred there. Uh, but, you know, I think it, you know, there's no doubt, and I think people have known this for weeks, that this was basically a seller's market, and there wasn't a whole lot as far as the guys that are going to make significant additions. In fact, yeah, I watched a few hours yesterday of uh, ESPN. They did a, I didn't watch all four hours of their trade deadline thing, but I did watch some of it. And I watched a couple hours on NBA TV yesterday afternoon. And really, there was only one trade of significance that they between the two of them with many experts, quote unquote. Uh, the, the Hayward move to Oklahoma City is about the only one that anybody seems to be enthused about that actually they think made a difference yesterday in a trade. Now, you know, a couple guys got traded, you know, Ananobi who unfortunately is now out for the Knicks for several weeks, apparently, with an injury. Ananobi and also uh, Siakam, you know, those trades were made a while ago. Those are guys that are definitely, you would think, are going to help their teams significantly in the playoffs. But really, other than the Hayward on ESPN, the NBA Network, uh, they didn't think much of that trade at all, quite frankly. Uh, but the uh, ESPN people like the Hayward trade. But other than him... There really was nothing that happened yesterday of major significance that's going to you know, bolster a team into a deep playoff run. Yeah, uh, Ananobi apparently had surgery, elbow surgery here, so maybe that also makes sense why the Knicks brought in Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic in addition to some of the other injuries that the Knicks, teams, uh, Knicks team have already suffered. And then Jalen Brunson, you had mentioned yesterday, sprained right ankle. He didn't play last night. Uh, unsure when his timetable for return will be. I uh, heard last night or somewhere, uh, actually yesterday afternoon on NBA Network, they seem to think he's out until at least after the All-Star break, which is, what, another couple weeks? Yeah, I think so, yes. Uh, the 18th, yeah. I think, is the NBA All-Star game. Uh, one quick thing about the Suns and where they go from here. Uh, the Suns have two roster spots open right now, which allows them to be active in the buyout market. But there is... I, I heard yesterday they can't do anything in the buyout. They're not allowed to take anybody in the buyout buyout market because of their apron situation so there's restrictions um so because of the luxury tax situation that they're over the luxury tax they can sign players whose contracts are at the non-tax payer mid-level exception so that's those making 12.4 million dollars or less so players like kyle lowry or spencer dinwiddie or even joe harris those type of players that are potentially going to be on the buyout market uh, are not players that the suns can even go after because of this mid-level exception players whose contracts would work on the buyout market would be like Daniel House Jr., Danilo Gallinari, Corey Joseph, wow. Seth Curry, Thad Young, and Robin Lopez. So those are the types of players uh, that the Suns are are able to go after because of the luxury tax situation. I can't imagine a scenario where any of those five guys you just mentioned would be a contributing factor to the Suns. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe Danilo Gallinari. I mean, there had been also, uh, talks, gosh, when was that? I don't remember, but there were talks about the Suns being interested 
and Thaddeus Young there for a little bit. So maybe that's something that they're interested in. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait to see. The Suns have been rumored interested in Thaddeus Young for five years. Uh, and five years ago, I was in favor of it. Maybe even a couple years ago. But yeah, he's not a young man anymore. So I don't even know how would he fit into the Suns. Well, this, I don't even know if he's a good I, – I really don't know. He used to be a good defender. I have no idea, quite frankly, if he's still a good defender, if he's not a young guy anymore. But, uh, yeah, so like I said, I mean, three or four years ago, I, would, you know, I was pushing for that to happen, in fact. Uh, but it didn't, and I can't imagine that he's really a very good player right now. Uh, the Suns, they were on the court last night with a 129 to 115 victory over the Jazz. No Devin Booker, who was sitting out with a hip injury. Bradley Beal did play, even though he was originally listed as questionable with an ankle. He scored 30 points on 11 of 21 from the floor, 6 of 9 from 3, 7 assists for him. Kevin Durant, 31 points, 14 of 23, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 blocks. The Suns were out-rebounded 52 to 37, but they scored... 59.1% from the floor, and maybe uh, I would have to go back and look at this, but one of, if not their best, three-point nights uh, of the season with 48.3% from behind the arc and limited it to just 12 turnovers. Well, the one thing that stood out to me is they had 30 assists last night, which uh, was really impressive, and uh, they actually had their most fast, excuse me, not, not 30 assists. They had 30 fast-break points, which was the most in any game this season. Now, the TNT broadcast mentioned very early in the broadcast that they just thought that the Jazz immediately, they gave up 42 in the first quarter, I think it was. Uh, a whole bunch of points in the first quarter. The Jazz looked like a team, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, they looked like a team that was just not very motivated and maybe disappointed and rebelling because their front office did not do anything to help them at the trade deadline. With the win, the Suns moved up to uh, fifth in the standings here. The Timberwolves at 36 and 16, the Nuggets 36 and 16, the Thunder 35 and 16, the Clippers 34 and 16, then the Suns 31 and 21, the Pelicans 30 and 21, the Kings 29 and 21, the Mavs 29 and 23. The Suns will play tomorrow against the Warriors on ABC at 6:30 p.m. I'm just going to kind of echo what I'll be doing this for the next couple of months before the playoffs start. You know, I think it would be highly unlikely if the Suns could move into the top four. Uh, what they want to do in every team in their situation right now is you want to avoid falling below six because if you're from seven to ten, you got to play in the uh, play-in tournament. You want to avoid that. We'll get into... Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits on the other side of the break. The 49ers and the Chiefs, Super Bowl 58. Also, keeping in mind, Kyle Soppy of Pro Football Network is set to join us around 12.15 today for a look at NFL props and a discussion of that. You could really get yourself into the weeds with all sorts of different props. So we'll try to narrow it into some of the, the more basics that we've been doing all season long and see where we go with that so that'll be kyle soppy around 12 15 today but we dive heavily into the contest next right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app right after this
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven twenty-six here on KDOS AM ten sixty. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's Friday. It's Friday, February 9th. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay our friends a visit over at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Von Hansen's Meats.net and get yourself set for the big game this weekend. Speaking of that big game here, the 49ers minus two and a half, Chiefs plus two and a half, over under sitting at 47 and a half. Uh, we're going to go through things per team. So we'll start with the Chiefs here, and I'll just start with a generic little tidbit, if you will. Uh, this is Kansas City's fourth appearance in five years. They are the defending champions. In addition to that here, uh, teams to win three Super Bowls in five years include the 1970s Steel Curtain Steelers, the 1990s with Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys, and then Tom Brady and Bill Belichick did it twice in two different decades. So the Chiefs are trying to join that elusive club. I think the third of those Cowboys championships was with Barry Switzer, right? I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, your, that's you know, shouldn't even count. But it was Jerry Johnson. Uh, you know, Jimmy it was Johnson's his players team, and his. That's correct. His team. And of course, <laughs> and of course, Jerry took credit for it. And, you know, Barry Switzer said something stupid. I can't remember exactly what he said at the end of the Super Bowl, but. That is Barry Switzer. All right. Uh, as far let me start with the, as far as Kansas City is concerned. Let me start with a, uh, a completely worthless stat that I've never thought had any significance ever. Andy Reid's thirty nine and seven off a of bye week. I think that stat actually has less significance than ever during a Super Bowl week because both teams are coming off of a bye. Yet I keep hearing this stat every day. On ESPN and NFL Network, he's one of that's just one of many things that just drives me nuts. Here's a much more relevant stat: uh, Steve Spagnolo is three and one in Super Bowls, and the loss was at Tampa when Tom Brady was the quarterback. I think that that is a very significant stat this week. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' offense, Patrick Mahomes, has been sacked for a grand total of two times in three playoff games. Uh, you know, he's now gone six consecutive playoff games without an interception. That's an NFL postseason record. He has 203 pass attempts consecutively now without an interception. Travis Kelsey, three touchdowns over the last two games after he had zero touchdowns in the previous nine games. Uh, Kelsey also has a TD in all three Super Bowls he's played in. The uh, Chiefs receivers who dropped everything during the regular season – they have a grand total of three drops during the entire postseason. Two of those drops, by the way, were by Travis Kelsey. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have used much more two and three wide receiver sets in the last two games. They relied much more on running the ball. Uh, in the Chiefs' three wins this postseason, even with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position, they only have thrown 12 more passes than they have had run attempts so it's almost been 50-50 during the postseason. As far as the Chiefs' defense, the Chiefs allowed seven points per game in the second half for the entire season. For the three playoff games against Miami, Buffalo, and Baltimore, 
three of the better offenses in the league. If you go by regular season stats, they've allowed 41 points in the three playoff games so far against those teams. Spagnolo loves the blitz, but Brock Purdy has been the most efficient quarterback in the NFL against the blitz. So will Spags limit his blitzing approach some? Uh, will he opt to play more man defense? Uh, play, play man defense. They like to play man defense, but will they play man defense against Debo and Brandon Ayuk, who excel against man coverage? As far as injuries are concerned, Joe Tooney, uh, not been completely ruled out, but not likely to play on Sunday. Andy Reid said that earlier this week. But Andy Reid also said earlier this week that Jared McKinnon likely would not play this week. And now there's reports on uh, multiple reports on Thursday that McKinnon has done enough in practice the last two days that he might actually be activated from the IR and play on Sunday. As far as one other thing, obviously, uh, maybe something that hasn't been talked about enough because he was placed on IR just last week. But Charles Amenahu, who has been a difference maker down the stretch uh, for the Chiefs on defense and pass rush and also run defense, uh, he obviously suffered a torn ACL in the uh, AFC championship game and is out. And like I said, I don't think that's got enough play this week because that was news last week. Let's start here with Patrick Mahomes and, and stay there with him uh, to back up your sack information. He has just a 3.7% sack rate, which is impressive in itself. And then I think it's even more impressive considering uh, the offensive line. In addition to that, you know, he's able to get out of a lot of these dicey situations and he generates the second most EPA on scrambles only behind Josh Allen. And we know how effective Josh Allen is at scrambles. Patrick Mahomes doing it uh, at a very elite level. This season and postseason included completion percentage over expectation per NFL next-gen stats for Patrick Mahomes is minus 1.1%. But keep in mind that his wide receivers this season had a drop rate of 7.3%, which is the second worst in the NFL. However, those receivers, they only have a drop rate in the postseason now at 3.3%. Uh, when you continue on with Patrick Mahomes here, the 49ers in the regular season went in zone, held quarterbacks to an average QBR of 43.9, which was seventh best in the league. In man, the QBR went to 59.8 and ranked 14th. When it comes to Mahomes and what he does against zone, it's 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Against man, it's six touchdowns and seven interceptions against zone. Oh, and sorry. that's been kind yeah. of a that's been kind of a career history for him and with him and Andy Reid. I mean, playing zone against them, except for that one game against. Uh, remember the Bengals game uh, when they lost and the Bengals went to the uh, you know went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bengals changed their whole approach in the second half of that game and played almost all zone. And Kansas City didn't figure it out. But other than that one game, I don't remember too many postseason games, if any. In fact, I don't remember any. Uh, there were zone defense has really bothered them. So that's going to be a really big deal. Also, I fully acknowledge the importance of these stats during the regular season, but the chiefs have just completely changed their offense in the postseason with all these two and three, uh, three, uh, two and three tight end sets. You mentioned all the, the drops in the regular season. As I mentioned, they've only had three drops in three playoff games and two of them were Kelsey. Uh, so their wide receivers have dropped one pass 
in the uh, in the postseason so far. Uh, so you know, they've definitely, they, they, like I said, I think a lot of the Chiefs' regular season numbers are kind of don't mean a thing right now because they have changed their scheme and their approach, and it's almost you know 50-50 pass and run, and that certainly was not the case in the regular season. Yeah, to the, back that point up here, in the playoffs, the Chiefs have increased the usage of multiple tight end sets by 9.5% and running the ball in more neutral down and distance situations. Uh, that's with the success from Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, in addition to that, when you look at, I guess, what the 49ers like to do defensively with their pass rushers, um, with Nick Bosa and trying to get upfield at you, they could certainly try to stretch things or run at Chase Young uh, to have some success with Pacheco. The interesting part with Joe Tooney's injury and uh, Al Getty going to have to start once again in the postseason here, will Javon Hargrave be able to kind of blow up things interiorly? Yeah, the only thing I kind of push back a little bit on, not necessarily what you just said, but what I've heard a lot in the last two weeks is that Chase Young is this dynamic pass rusher. Actually, in his best days at Ohio State, he was a far better run defender than he was a pass rusher. In his best days with the, uh, the Washington football team, he was a much better run defender than pass rusher, so I'm not exactly sure why everybody thinks he's such a dynamic pass rusher because the large majority, if not almost all of his college and pro career, he's been a much better run defender than a pass rusher. Kind of reminds me, to a lesser extent, of the Davion Clowney national perception uh, he's a you know, clowny, a really good run defender, and really never been that much of a pass rusher. Young's been a better pass rusher than Clowney, but that is not Young's cup of tea, is just you know, beelining into the quarterback as a strictly a pass rusher. He's oftentimes been a good run defender in his career. Uh, one more thing on the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs with Rasheed Rice. 20 catches for 223 yards and a touchdown in three playoff games. Uh, I would have to imagine that he's going to have to have a big game and a lot of maybe possession-type receptions. Yeah, I believe he and Debo were two of the top five receivers in the league as far as yards after the catch. Uh, so I'm sure there's a prop out there somewhere about the you know, longest pass play. Uh, for the, uh, you know, the for both teams or either team or there's probably a combination thereof. But I would think there's a chance in this game that the, each team has a significantly long pass play, not necessarily for a touchdown, but a long pass play that's going to be you know, at least 30 yards just based on yards after the catch considering you know, not just Debo and, and Rice, but also throw in Brandon Ayuk who also excels in that area. Uh, the Chiefs' defense here have been really great at limiting oppo opponents wide receiver one. There's different ways you can look at this. If you want to take uh, their last, like, four games, not including uh, week 18 when they didn't really play any starters here, they limited Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams to 12 catches for 128 yards. Uh, that includes the last two playoff games in week 16 and 17. You could also look at it that they're ranked fifth DVOA against 
against number one wide receivers. You could also pinpoint maybe the guy who's helping achieve this, Legereus Sneed, because he's followed a lot of these top wide receivers throughout the season. He gave up his first touchdown in the divisional round, and in the three playoff games, he's allowed a minus 50% DVOA in coverage. Minus for defensive players is outstanding. Yeah, my question here is, though, who's the number one receiver he'd be following, Debo or Ayuk? That's the question. How do you identify that? Um, I would actually go with Ayuk, um, you know, if, if they're, especially if they're going to play a little more zone than they have because you could figure that maybe, you know, more than one guy would have a chance to tackle Debo. But, uh, you know, so I, that's just you know, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, I wouldn't – if I were a defensive coordinator, I would have a really difficult time – trying to figure out, you know, if I had to just stop one wide receiver or do the Belichick thing, remember, you know, take away the best player or the best receiver on the other team, I'm not sure who that is because both these guys are elite. Uh, also, one more tidbit from the Chiefs' defensive side of things here. Chris Jones and George Karloftis each had 10.5 sacks in the regular season. They combined so far in the postseason for three sacks. You mentioned, though, Amenowu, so those two players are going to have to have big games. Yeah, and uh, you know, definitely I think one of the biggest things about this game, which I've talked about with guests this week and also a couple of times with you, is you know, I would assume they don't want to line those two guys up against Trent Williams very often. So I'm guessing that's going to be a McKivitz thing. And uh, you know, certainly the Niners are not opposed to using two and three tight end sets if you include Juszczyk as a tight end and uh, to chip block. And in fact, sometimes... You know, Kittle doesn't even go out and pass routes because he's pass blocking. Uh, so I would think they're going to try to attack with those two guys on the right side. At uh, at some points, Jones is more of an inside guy in the early pass in the early downs, uh, but in pass downs, he also uh, likes to go to the edges. But I assume you want to try not to try to get a pass rush against Trent Williams. On the other side of the break, we'll dissect the 49ers side of things. It is the Extra Point Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Coming up next. Tomahawk steaks at $24.99 a pound. The San Fran tailgate at $49.49. Four 50-50 burgers, four all-beef hot dogs, nine jalapeno poppers, nine potato skins, one jalapeno package of cheddar snack sticks. That's the San Fran tailgate at $49.49. And the fresh jumbo uh, party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. Those are the weekend specials for our friends at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay them a visit at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Uh, we have the $100 gift certificate available for you, but not quite yet. Welcome back. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you in Friday spread, dissecting Super Bowl 58 here, the 49ers and the Chiefs. We just really went through the Chiefs on the, other, uh, on the previous break previous segment i should say now we're going to get into the chiefs here uh or get into the 49ers here a couple of little tidbits here the 49ers last super bowl came from the 1994 season when they beat the chargers when it comes to this season the 49ers had a regular season point differential of plus 193 
third best in the NFL. However, when it comes to the postseason, the 49ers have held the lead for just 22.9% of the time through two games this postseason, which is the second lowest percentage of time leading in postseason play. Who led that? That was actually the 1994 Chargers. And hopefully the uh, and they were terrible. Uh, that team that that was one of the worst Super Bowls of all time. In fact, that hopefully that uh, the game on Sunday will be better than the. Uh, it almost has to be better than that Niners Chargers game. That was the uh, monkey off the back Steve Young game, and they were celebrating in the second quarter uh, because it was so bad. In fact, I was getting ready to go on the air that night in uh, my syndicated days, and I pretty much had the entire show written by the end of the third quarter. Because there was, you know, there was nothing happening after halftime. It was like a hundred to nothing at halftime. Anyway, back to San Francisco. First, last time I can say this, I think, unless I use it next week, and I don't think I'll, maybe I'll use it next year in the team preview for San, San Francisco. No NFL team in seven seasons has been favored to win every game since, uh, you know, it's been seven seasons since they've done that, and uh, the Niners are doing that this year. Uh, you know. Really, I don't think that the the other thing that's driven me crazy the last two weeks is I think this revenge angle is totally irrelevant. Uh, you, know, you mentioned the other day how few players from each team are still with these teams, uh, but I keep hearing this revenge angle on ESPN and the NFL networks every day, every single solitary day. Back to my you know, pet peeves, which is the a massive list of pet peeves in sports, and those are a couple of them. Uh, Brock Purdy, the most efficient passer in the NFL this year against the Blitz. He's averaged 10 yards per attempt against blitzing teams. Uh, Purdy, over the last two seasons, 4-0 and zero in playoff games that he's finished. Also, uh, a big thing is how will the, um, you know, the 49ers pass protect when the, uh, the, you know, when the Chiefs are not blitzing? Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they still have Trent Williams. I don't think you want to attack him. McKivitz is uh, he was horrible at the start of the year, including that first game of the season when J.J. Watts seemed to have his sack like every snap. Uh, but he's gotten better. They also have done a much better job of protecting him and chipping with him, whether you know whoever it is. But uh, that's definitely I think that's definitely without a doubt one of the keys of the entire game here. Um, you know, they also you know, I think you know, shorter passes against uh, Kansas City might not be a bad idea. Uh, and it, once again, we'll see how the Chiefs uh, decide to play this defensively, whether they blitz or not, whether they go man defense or not. And I'm sure that uh, you know, Iuke and Samuel are just hoping that the Chiefs play a lot of man defense. As far as the 49ers defense, uh, they lead the NFL with 22 interceptions during the regular season. Uh, but we mentioned that the Mahomes, Mahomes obviously doesn't throw interceptions, especially in the postseason. And the vaunted pass rush has definitely been MIA in some cases, uh, especially in the postseason, until they've had the lead in these uh, postseason games. And then they've definitely done a, done, done a number at that point, Bosa especially, once they've had a lead the last couple of games after they fell behind when they were playing against the Packers and the Lions. But uh, that's, uh, and speaking of Bosa, he's been talking all week, including yesterday again, about uh, Kansas City's offensive line uh, holding with frequency. And he's, he's right. I mean, they led the world in penalties uh, for the first 12 weeks of the season. They had the most holding penalties in the NFL. They got better during the season at the least the last you know, four or five games. 
And then uh, they've gotten better in the postseason. They did have a holding penalty that was nullified a touchdown in that game against Buffalo, against Baltimore, excuse me. And they ended up not scoring on that particular drive. So they they haven't completely cleared it up, but they've gotten better in that area. One other thing to monitor, uh, will the 49ers play that zone defense against Mahomes? We'll see how that goes. Will Steve Wilkes change and play more man? Uh, you know, the you know, Ravens played zone all year long, played zone for most of the game or tried to against Mahomes, and that was a disaster. Then when the Ravens tried to play man, something that's out of their element, they had no chance in that game to slow down the, the Kansas City offense. And how the 49ers match up, against, match up against Travis Kelsey. They've been a really mixed bag on their defense against wide, against excuse me, tight ends, elite tight ends. The Cardinals' Trey McBride's an example. He had one good game and one game where he was non-existent against the 49ers. How will they try to defend Kelsey? Well, I'll start there here. Covering tight ends since week 10, Greenlaw has allowed a minus 6% DVOA and Warner a minus 28% DVOA. Uh, Their numbers were in the positive prior to week 10. So they certainly have gotten better. Uh, The splits also were that Greenlaw is more in coverage than uh, Warner is against tight ends. Well, we had Matt Mayoko on from you know CSN Bay Area or NBC Bay Area, excuse me, earlier in the week, and he had it broken down as far as linebackers and safeties. And really, when they had their safety injuries early in the season, that's where this was really bad. And uh, you know, that's it's been you know, he's one that kind of led me onto the hit or miss thing. And uh, you know, the numbers definitely back that up. You just could, like take the elite tight ends. And, uh, you know, there's some that have been really good against them. Some you would expect to be really good have done nothing. So I'm kind of confused and curious to see how this goes on Sunday against Kelsey. Also interesting, when you take a look at the middle of the field, on passes over the middle between 6 to 15 air yards, the 49ers have allowed a 53% catch percentage, while the league average is 67%. So they're doing pretty good at holding you in those intermediate air yards over the middle targets. That makes sense. I, I can I can see that. I think that backs up the eye test, and I guess I'm allegedly the eye test. At least I think I am. Uh, one more thing, though, about these linebackers with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I'm also curious to know is they're going to have to figure out you know what they're doing with the tight ends, but also with how the success for the Chiefs have been in the three postseason games, averaging 127.3 rushing yards, and what we know about the the 49ers rush defense in the postseason here. Are they going to play a little bit of a different style, trying to crash some of those running lanes uh, to try to help in those scenarios? Uh, help the defensive line. I saw a breakdown on NFL Network on this earlier in the week, and uh, most of the yards that the 49ers have given up in the postseason have been outside runs and not necessarily between the tackles, and the Chiefs don't do that many outside runs. So, you know, what you know, they don't they seem to conflict <laughs> at least you know the 49ers weakness in the postseason is something that the Chiefs normally have not tried to exploit or you know I don't think you want to really use Pacheco on a you know a, you know a wide you know you know an outside you know, a sweep so to speak back in the day used to call it in sweep 
those kind of plays are not necessarily Pacheco's cup of tea. It would seem like the 49ers' defensive strength against the run would be, you know, definitely a good thing for them against what the what the Chiefs actually try to do. Is you know, Pacheco is mainly a between the tackles guy, and that seems to be where the 49ers, even in the last couple of games, have not been terrible. They've been really bad in the outside runs, however, and that's what the Chiefs don't do very often. More tidbits for Brock Purdy and for the 49ers as well. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com. There's still a $100 gift certificate. And of course, be coming with your play. It can be a total. It can be a side. uh, It can be a prop anything you'd like but we're trying to end the season uh with two wins because we have chiefs plus two and a half already in the bank and we're looking forward for one more ahead of this super bowl 58 but we'll continue dissecting the 49ers on the other side of the break Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Continuing our Friday spread conversation brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. The 49ers side of things. A couple of other things about Brock Purdy. He's the third youngest starting quarterback in a Super Bowl at 24. Dan Marino and Big Ben were the two younger players in a Super Bowl. 56. So those guys, those two guys went one and one. Yes, you know, they did. Marino lost and, and obviously Ben, ben won. of Purdy's passes are between the numbers, which is the third most. 14% are between the hashes, which is the most. He ranks first in QBR when throwing between the numbers and second between the hashes. Mahomes actually ranks first, and he leads all quarterbacks in total EPA between the hashes. So he loves to work the middle of the field. Uh, Also, 61 QBR against zone coverage for Purdy. His QBR against man is 90 yeah, to me, the biggest thing is he's the number one in the league in efficiency against the blitz, and he's averaged 10 yards per attempt against blitzes. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of other things here that I thought was interesting. I know that we're, we're not necessarily uh, just honing in on the regular season, but I thought it was interesting. In the regular season, the 49ers led the league in yards per carry on zone runs, and the Chiefs were 31st in yards per carry against yeah zone runs it just kind of goes what we've been talking about the last two three four weeks now you know why didn't buffalo try to run more why didn't baltimore ever run they had the baltimore that game was not out of control i mean it wasn't a you know 10 score game they ran they had the running backs they led the league in rushing it wasn't all just lamar their running backs had six attempts in the afc championship game six 
It certainly is mind-boggling, to say the least. Uh, We'll get into more around the NFL to get things started in hour number two. Kyle Soppy of Pro Football Network helps us figure out where to go for our prop bets. He joins us around 12.15, and we'll also do a refresh about what's been going on at the WM Phoenix Open. Plenty still to come in hour number two of the Extra Point Plus that $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits still available coming up on the other side of the break.